What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back, you guys, to the Very Best Self Podcast. Today, I have Bethany Holmes on, and she has an incredible story to share. So Bethany is a wellness blogger, certified holistic health and wellness coach. She's a Reiki practitioner uh, and also a spiritual interior designer, which I'm super interested in uh, and intrigued by. But there was an event that took place in her life in 2015, um, having to do with her having emergency brain surgery. And so this podcast episode is about her story, uh, her recovery, and her journey to being a the most healthy version of herself. So we're going to get right into it. I am excited for you to hear from Bethany. Let's do it. Welcome back, you guys. I have Bethany Holmes on the podcast today, and I am really, really, truly looking forward to this conversation. Um, so Bethany, you are a wellness blog- blogger, certified health holistic coach, wellness coach, Reiki practitioner, and spiritual interior designer, all of that. But I just want to say the internet works, by the way, and reels, Instagram reels, they work because that's how I found you. Amazing. I'm happy to hear that because, you know, there's always transition in in business and in work. And I've had to learn that new (laughs) task of creating reels. So I'm happy that you discovered me in that way. Yeah. Like I felt compelled to share that because I feel like there's so many of us who are out there like trying to put reels together. And you're like, is anybody seeing this? Does anybody care? Like, is anybody out there? You know? Um, And so anyways, yeah, I came. Thanks so much for being on firstly. And uh, secondly, I, yeah, I came across one of your reels that um, shared kind of your personal story of the kind of traumatic experience that you had in 2015 uh, that led you to all of these you know, amazing titles that I listed at the top of the show. Uh, and so I would love to talk about, you know, you were living in New York City at the time. I live in New York City now. And kind of like what your life was like then. And then, you know, what happened, um, and it was a, a brain injury or something exact, right? You'll you'll tell the story, but I would love to hear yeah. kind of just your um, incredible and inspiring backstory uh, for how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for reaching out and having me on and allowing me this platform to share my story. And yeah, it was it's a crazy story. I um, had always had a dream and a vision of moving to New York City. I grew up in Michigan, went to college in Michigan, and I just always wanted to move to New York. Um, no really real reason why. I just wanted to be there in that energy and in that atmosphere. And so about a year and a half after college, I got a job. I moved to the city. You know, it felt like all my dreams have come true. I was just the happiest I had been in a very long time. And I started feeling really sick. And I didn't know why. You know, I had gone to a couple of doctors. I thought maybe it was a virus. And when I say sick, I mean like I felt like every morning I woke up, I had the flu. Like my body was achy, oh, I was exhausted. It just like something was taking over my body and I didn't know what it was. (laughs) And it was very hard to function and to, you know, have a career and a social life and do all the things that you want to do when you're 25 years old living in New York City. 
So it was very difficult to manage the unknown. I didn't have any answers. And therefore, when you don't know what's going on, it's really hard to come up with solutions and to take action because you just don't know where to go. Yeah, I can't imagine Um, how frustrating that must have been. Yeah, really, honestly, like the most frustrating and difficult part, and obviously it ended in a crazy brain surgery, but that was at least like, okay, I know what's going on and I can heal from here. The unknown was so difficult because you just don't know what kind of action to take. And that's when like so much stress and anxiety can just really overtake and overcome you. So it was almost a year and a half of different specialists, different doctors, scans, MRIs, spinal taps, blood work, just you name it. I went through it and still no answers, which is just insane to me to this day that they couldn't find this or figure it out. Um, But it actually, about a month before I had surgery, it was discovered through an MRI with contrast that I had what's called a cavernoma malformation in my brain, which is a malformation of blood vessels. Um, Typically, you're born with them but they can develop if you have a certain genetic um, disposition to them as well. But they think I was born with this. And when they discovered it, they saw that it had slowly been bleeding. So that was probably causing a lot of my symptoms on top of some other things that were going on, viruses, parasites, other things that were happening in my body that I was unaware of at the time. And um, so once they discovered that, they basically said they were going to keep an eye on it. And I was just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) We're going to keep an eye on my brain bleeding? (laughs) Even I was just like, wait, what? That's keep an eye on it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was not happy with that at all because I couldn't live. You know, I, I was I was on disability for work. I couldn't be social. I just felt like I had no life. So I'm like, I'm not keeping an eye on this, right? But who am I to like challenge a brain surgeon? <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, you know what's best, I guess. But three weeks later. It ended up hemorrhaging to the size of a baseball, and I had emergency brain surgery, and they removed the hemorrhage, removed the cavernoma, and um, it was a very – it was like a six-hour brain surgery. It was very scary, but I'm very grateful, honestly, that that happened because I couldn't live with the state that I was in. So, yeah, so I I had this massive life-changing moment, like literally overnight, and it just really changed – how I looked at the world, my career, my relationships, just literally everything and really set me onto a path of really like, you know, becoming like a very active participant in my life and creating my own reality and really just having so much gratitude for every single thing in my life and every day. I love that so much, becoming an active participant in my life because, you know, there are so many of us who are living our lives on autopilot. And no matter, you know, how connected we may feel, like there's always moments where you just like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, I feel like everyone can relate to like if you're driving somewhere and then sometimes you arrive at your destination and you're like, how did I get here? Like you don't even remember drive, And you're like, wait, what? Like you must have obviously been paying attention, but like, were you fully dialed in, right? And so it's like becoming a full, fully active uh, participant in your life. So what was it? what is the experience like of when your brain was hemorrhaging? Like what is, you knew something was really, really wrong and you had to be rushed to the hospital or like, what did you, did you pass out? Sorry. Now I'm just asking curious questions. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a crazy experience. So I had a very, very, very bad headache and I had had headaches on and off, obviously, because my brain was slowly bleeding, but this one was extreme. And I went to the ER and I said, you know, I have a really bad headache. I need to get this looked at, whatever. I did not feel well. 
And they kind of just pushed me aside. They're like, oh, you probably have a migraine, gave me an IV. While I was there, I passed out, didn't seem to be bothered by it. They're like, oh, you're probably dehydrated then. Like very much just gaslighted me and were just like not worried about me at all. And it was maddening. It was so maddening. And they released me. And I fought for them. Like I, as much as I, I had like no energy within me, right? But as much as I could, I was fighting. I was like, no, I have this cavernoma. They're like, yeah, we see. You would have other symptoms, you know, if it was hemorrhaging. Like they just were not listening to me. And it was really upsetting. So I got sent home from the hospital. And the next morning I went to bed, which is just shocking because I can't believe that like, you know, I could have died. Yeah. But I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I called my doctor. I was like, I went to the ER. They sent me home. She was enraged. And she's like, go to this imaging center, get a CT scan right away. So I did that. And they basically were like, you need an ambulance to the emergency room right now. And you have, you're going to have to probably have surgery. So I had the scan. I did not want them to call an ambulance. I was like, that feels so intense. Like, I'm just going to take a cab. <laughs> Looking no. back, I'm like, I wasn't thinking straight, like clearly. <laughs> but yeah. I took a cab to from the Upper West Side down to like NYU, which, you know, is like Midtown East kind of. And um, yeah, I called my parents. I was like, I'm having brain surgery. Probably my, my brain is hemorrhaging. And they were like, what do you mean? You know, I was like, I don't know. I think you should just come to the city. So they like, hopped in you the car. You took a cab. I took a cab. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's my insane. God. Thank yeah, God because, you're still you know, here. you get so desensitized for so long because everyone's telling you you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Right. So I started living this life of like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I, you believe what you're going to tell yourself. And I really believed for a long time, even though I was so sick that I was okay because everyone was telling me I was okay. So I was like, well, I have to be okay. You know, so it was almost like at that moment, I'm like, I'm all right. I can take a cab. You know, I just like was not in the right mindset or thinking straight irrationally um but yeah so I got so to the then, hospital and yeah you walked went, into the ER yourself walked walked back into the ER I was like here I am again <laughs> um but this time like I have a scan and I need to see my neurosurgeon right away and they were very responsive and um yeah the next morning I had I had brain surgery wow wow unbelievable yeah. so then you recovered from this the I mean how long was the recovery it was long. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And they did not prepare me for that. And I don't know if that was good or bad. My doctor really was confident, which I really appreciated. I think anytime you're going to have surgery, you want a very confident doctor. Um, so that made me feel good. But he also did not explain to me afterwards that it would be a long recovery that could have very long-term effects. He was like, yep, we're going to do this. We're going to fix you. You're going to be fine. And I appreciated that. But afterwards, I was very ill-prepared for kind of like what was ahead. And so it was like a solid three months of me just sleeping, eating, resting, like in that cycle. And that's really all I had the capacity to do. And after three months, I was basically cleared to like exercise very, you know, lightly. Um, you know, I could just do a little more things like on my own. And then after nine months, I was cleared to drive. I was on anti-seizure medication. I never thankfully had a seizure, but it was very precautionary because of the size of the hemorrhage and the location there it was in the brain. So I could drive again. And I started to get more confidence back once I like, got more independent. Um, and then it kind of just like snowballed into there and me doing things you know, more on my own and just feeling better. But I really had like some very hard, like, PTSD after of just trusting my body again and 
you know, moving forward, I was just so scared. I was scared that it was going to happen again, or I was going to get sick again, or I was going to do something to make my brain hemorrhage again. You know, all of these like fears were rushing in. Of course, of course. So it, it took me a long time through physical and mental and emotional healing to really lean in, trust my body and like feel safe again in this world. Wow. Well, I want to say, firstly, thank you so much for sharing that story, for opening up and for being so vulnerable. I'm sure it's not easy to go you know, back to that place and to talk about it. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think another big, huge takeaway from, from hearing this story too, and is for anybody who's listening, if something feels like it's not right in your body, it's because something's not right in your body. And like, we should always like listen to that. Um, and then just because someone tells you it's okay, doesn't necessarily mean that you should listen to them. Right. I fully agree. Like, you know yourself more than anyone else. And if you're not getting the answers or feeling like you have the support, continue seeking it out. And I know it can feel so draining, so exhausting when you already don't feel well. But that's why it's important, too, to lean on support, like get an advocate for yourself, you know, like have a support team that can stick up for you maybe when you can't. Those are all things that are really important when you are going through a health crisis and just don't feel like you're getting the answers that you that you need to move forward and heal. Right. Right. So after this nine, you know, three months and then nine months so you could drive and feel like you could really just kind of have your independence back and, and really be, you know, who you are you know, what changed in the way that you decided to show up in the world? Um, and how did you, I'm sure there were a lot of dark days mentally, um, but how did you kind of pull yourself out of it and decide that you were going to lean into the positives and then begin to share those positives with other people? Yeah. So it was a roller coaster of emotions, as I'm sure you can expect, but you know, I had a really solid support system, which I'm very grateful for. I was dating my husband, my husband now, but at the time he was just my boyfriend of like a year and he stuck with me and was just by my side the whole entire time, which was really, really helpful and supportive. I had really supportive family and friends. And that really helped me through the really difficult times because I never felt, although I felt very alone in my journey because I really didn't know anyone who had <laughs> emergency brain surgery and exactly what I had, I at least felt like I can share and open up and be my real authentic self and have these struggles and, and be supported by people. So that was really helpful. You know, I started going to therapy. I started doing energy healing. I started meditating. I started looking at my diet. I really just looked at this experience as like, okay, you got a second chance. What are you going to do with it? And it's not to be wasted. And prior to that, like I was kind of, like you said, on autopilot. I was going through the motions, doing what was expected of me, working a corporate job, moving to a big city, trying to kind of like do it all, have this amazing lifestyle. But there was clearly like something missing. And I was able to kind of reflect and look at that and be like, I hated my job. <laughs> I was, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't fulfilled in a lot of areas in my life. And now is the time to be fulfilled. And how are you going to get there? So it was just a lot of like deep soul work and, and really leaning on support to understand how to get there and, you know, seeking it out. But a lot of fear and anxiety come, came with that. And I ended up about a year after, not a year, about, about 10 months after my surgery, I went back to work in HR, which was oh, something wow. I hated. Yeah. And I just felt like, I don't know if you've ever heard that quote and I, I'm probably saying it wrong, but there's this quote, it's like, you don't have to do hard things just to prove that you can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what I was doing. I was like, I can do this. So I'm, you know, I have to prove to myself and everyone else that I can do this. And like, I did not have to do that because <laughs> I was then in a 
job that I hated. And yeah, I had a better mindset and attitude about it this time around, but it still was so like soul sucking and soul crushing and draining. Yeah. And it was just not for me. So I, after about a year, I left the company and it was just such a big blessing. And that's when I was like, okay, like the universe has given you a lot of signs right now. Like you're either going to listen or it's not going to be good. So I went back to school. I went to IAN, um, got my health coaching degree certification. And I was like, I, I just need to, you know, di- dive into my purpose. What is that? What does that look like? And at the time it was really being that support and being that help for people who have gone through health traumas and felt very alone. Um, because it is isolating. It's not a popular thing to go through. And not a lot of people understand that, especially with brain health. So that's what, that's what I did. I went back to school. I started to, you know, create my Instagram. I created a blog. I started connecting with people in that space. And I really just felt like I was like coming back home to myself and and in a sense, but also just like growing and evolving in such a different way as well. I love that. I love that. And did you lean into, you've leaned into, you know, in, did you have like an internist or like someone to show you like how, like, I don't know, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm interested in all these things, like your gut health or your liver health or like all of these things, but it feels very, very foreign and like scary almost to figure out where to start and what to do right? to heal in a natural way. Very overwhelming. And I think, you know, going through the medical system before I had brain surgery really got me nowhere. And I was like, this time around, I'm doing something different, you know, and I had really bad experiences with some, you know, Western medicine practices that were not great, but at the same time, Western medicine saved my life. So there's a place and time for both. And I fully believe that. But as far as like my healing journey, I did a very holistic route and I really leaned on I did work with a functional medicine doctor um, out, out of the Cleveland Clinic and had a really positive experience with that. And I worked with um, a Reiki practitioner and did a lot of energy work, a lot of energy healing, which really, really helped me. Um, and I, yeah, I just really looked and I worked with a health coach as well, um, really diet, nutrition, all of that. So there was a whole like umbrella of people that, you know, were really my support system. And I did a lot of research on my own. I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts. You know, I followed a lot of people that were inspiring to me that, you know, were expanders in the health and wellness industry. And it was a full-time job really understanding how to take care of myself. Yeah, it is. It is overwhelming. It's There's so much information out there. Um, is there any kind of specific food that you like definitely cut out or did you decide to drink like way more water or just like uh, anything you can share? Yeah, I I really focus on brain foods. So anything that was considered like a superfood brain food, I just loaded up. Um, I did go pretty much vegan for a little bit. I It was very temporary, probably like six, eight months of being fully vegan. And I really think it just my body needed a break. Like it was so tired, so weak, so burnt out. It didn't have the energy to like break everything down and, you know, really like work for me. I just tried to do as simple as possible. And then as I started getting stronger and my gut was healing, my body was stronger. I started introducing, you know, all different foods back and now I eat everything, um, you know, within moderation. But there was a moment in which I did kind of dial back on that. And I do think that was really helpful. I followed the medical medium for a while. And while I don't think that's a lifestyle, I definitely used it as a a healing protocol. And I think Mm -hmm. it really helped. I still do the celery juice. I still do some of the smoothies, um, you know, follow some of the principles, but 
Yeah, it was kind of a mixture of things and really just always tuning in and asking myself, is this still working for me or do we need to adjust and kind of going from there? Yeah. So this Reiki energy healing, and then you became uh, a Reiki uh, practitioner yourself. Um, And then now what I'm super interested in is your spiritual interior design. Um, And so I'd love to talk about just Reiki. And can you do Reiki virtually, by the way, or is it only in person? You can. Yeah, you can do it virtually. No way. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So anyone on the internet who's listening who wants to work with Bethany, you can virtually. You don't have to be where you are. That's pretty neat. Um, And I was also listening, and I'd love for you to share, um, so in terms of your spiritual interior designing, um, most recently, it seemed like a great place to start, but I saw on your Instagram where you shared five tips to uh, your feng shui, your office space, Mm -hmm. if you will. And this really hit home because... A, I've just moved into this space, but immediately I was like, oh my gosh, my back is faced to the door. That's not good. Also, do you know when, he t- when I moved into this new apartment, my little money plant, she Uh-oh. didn't make it. So what yeah. do we do if, if she didn't make it? Is this a bad omen for my life? Am I screwed now? Like, what do we do? And can you share these five tips? If you remember <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, with the plant, um, if it's dead, you throw it out. It's time okay. for something new. So in this transition, the plant didn't make it. That's fine. Let's send the plant love and she's on her way out. Um, So it's time to bring in something new. So part of one of the tips is to put a a plant in your abundance corner. So that's the top left corner of your desk. So something like a money tree, a jade plant, lucky bamboo. Those are great things to add to the top left corner of your desk (laughs) as you move it. (laughs) Yeah, anything that's dead, we, we have to let it go. Okay. A, I might a, be able to save this one. Tip. I think if I trim it, I might be able to save this one. Maybe. Yeah. You can do some trimming. It is said, um, you know, and I kind of practice modern feng shui because feng shui is a very ancient practice and we live in a very different world now than back then when it was created. So I don't follow all the rules, you know, to a T it's, it's very much in alignment with the person and the goals of the space and, you know, their life and everything else. But a feng shui kind of like rule is if it dies, we don't try to save it. If it breaks, we don't try to fix it. Like it's gone. That is one of their principles. So, you know, see how that connects with you and, and, and adjust, you know, as necessary, but yeah, buying a new plant for your desk would be a great, great start. Having your desk in commanding position, like you said, like, you want it to be facing the doorway, not directly, but at a diagonal so you can see opportunities that are coming in. If you have your back towards the door, it's said that you'll miss opportunities. Um, having inspiring artwork in your space is really beneficial because it just it motivates you. It makes you happy. It makes you, you know, keeps you focused on what your passion and your drive is. And then so we have the plant in the upper left. We have your desk in commanding position, inspiring artwork, adding sense to your space. So something like a frankincense or like a vetivert really helps you concentrate. Mm -hmm. And just like bringing in these elements, especially that have to do with our senses, really can connect us to our space and whatever the task is, you know, that we're doing. And then there were five I just listed four. Let me think of the last one. I had a feeling it'd be hard to remember. So it's okay. (laughs) People have to go to your Instagram to check it out. Yeah. Go go to the Instagram for the fifth one. But all of those incredible tips and uh, caused me to think immediately. I was like, oh, but you know, what's funny is like, I'm, I'm really big on intuition <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I have felt like 
because I told, like I said, I just moved into this apartment um, not long ago. And I have felt like for some reason, I've had this inner feeling that I needed to move my desk, that I needed to move my desk, which is so weird because I was like, I want to turn it sideways, which is what I wanted to do. But I was like, well, that would be so weird to do because of the room. It's just the way that it is for me. But I just had this like calling that I feel like I should turn my desk sideways. So now immediately, as soon as this episode is over, I will be turning my desk sideways so that my door is at a diagonal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny how how easily we just like disregard our intuition, right? We're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's silly. But really, when we think about it, we're like, well, let's just listen and see what happens. Right. Yes. And so I feel like, yeah, especially you, I feel like you're like so dialed into that after, you know, kind of all you've been through. So you're like, if you get that little nudge or that little feeling, you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to see where it takes me. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely been something that has come out of this for sure. Yeah. Are you, so what's your like more, do you have like a morning routine and an evening routine that you're like very set on or does it change for you often? And if it's not necessarily set, then is there one thing that you just know that you can't live without in your routine? Yeah, I definitely have morning and evening routines. They kind of change based on what I need. Ideally, I could do a morning routine for two hours and an evening routine for two hours, but you know, we all have life and that doesn't always happen. So I think some of the takeaways are something that I absolutely have to do every morning and evening is in the morning, I drink a big glass of warm lemon water and I have a green juice. I take a long walk with my dog and I move my body in some sort of way. Those are like absolutely will happen every day. And then for evening routine, I take a salt bath pretty much every single night, do a skincare routine, and then I read before bed and meditate. So those are like, you know, no, no questions asked kind of activities and then non-negotiable. Yeah. And then, you know, if I have more time or whichever, I'll, I'll add on some other things obviously too, but those are my go-tos that make me feel like the most grounded and just the most relaxed and set up for sleep or set up for the day. Wow. I envy you. I, there's no reason why I cannot be that way, but I, I particularly taking a bath every single evening. Like for me, I feel like it's always been like a sweet, like a treat or something. You know, if I randomly carve out time for a bath, like I can't imagine figuring that into every single evening routine, but I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Truly. It's 20 minutes. It's, it's actually part of like a whole ritual. So I take a 20 minute hot, hot salt bath. So it like really helps like detox and get my body temperature up. And then I go into the, do a cold shower for about a minute and rinse off. And it just really, 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 really relaxes me and my nervous system and really just creates the best environment for my body to rest and go to sleep. Wow. I love it. I'm going to have to try it. There's no reason why I can't do it. There's no reason why I can't do that. And anybody listening, it's like, I feel like these wellness principles or wellness practices a lot of times like you know I I meditate uh and journal and do those things um but it's like someone somewhere is overwhelmed by some sort of like no matter who you are right there's like there's another level always and so wellness I feel like can feel like it's like scary to to kind of jump into but it's just habit stacking really at the end of the day and finding one thing that works for you and then making that a routine for you and you know then adding something else on top of that on top of that you know i think 
I think journaling can be something that's very overwhelming to some people, but I always say like, if there's like a journaling practice uh, and that feels like a lot, then just start with writing one thing you're grateful for. Just one right. you know, and begin there. Yeah. It's all about starting small and then building because you, you mentioned habit stacking. I just read Atomic Habits, which yeah. he talks about a lot, obviously. And yeah, it's, it's really that one minute. Like if you can commit to one minute, chances are you're going to go further than that one minute. You're not just going to sit down and write for one minute, right? Right. So the more you do it, the more I think confident you get in the practice. The more you want to do it, you feel good when you do it. You're proud of yourself when you do it. So it's really just starting. It's not even about the minute or how long. It's really just committing to doing the practice and then go from there. Right. So are there any ways that we can heal our own energy by ourselves at home, anything we can do, practices? Um, I guess that's a Reiki question. Um, If someone's like maybe afraid to work with a Reiki coach just yet, but they want to find healing within themselves. For sure. Yeah. So there's so many things that you can do to move energy throughout your body, which is really what Reiki does. It moves the stagnant energy out. So if, you know, working with a practitioner is really intimidating, and you just want to move the energy on your own, you can do like a a salt bath, you know, in a cold shower is a way to move energy throughout your body. You know, putting on some loud music and dancing around your apartment or home or whatever, that's another way to move energy. Working out, going for a walk, doing breathing exercises, anything that moves the energy within you on a physical level is obviously moving it on an energetic level as well. So, you know, even like acupuncture is an energy practice that moves energy throughout the body. Um, so just like anything, like within our body, when there's stagnant energy, we feel we can feel stagnant in our lives too. So if we can move that energy, then all of a sudden we feel, you know, more motivated, have more momentum. And it's the same thing with our environment. When our environment has stagnant energy, you know, we, we feel stagnant in it as well. So open up your windows, open up your blinds, get, you know, fresh air and get sunlight in. Even moving, I love this practice, moving 27 things around in your home, it just moves the energy of your space. You don't have to throw them out. Just move them around, kind of like do a little redecorate or whatever. Because when everything stays the same, nothing changes. And you really Mm -hmm. need to bring movement throughout your environment within you and around you to make change and evolve. Oh, wow. I love that. Because I kind of feel like I always fall into that. Like I'm so excited when I move into a new place. I can't wait to decorate and put it all together. But usually once it's together, it's just kind of set and it just kind of stays that way. So how often would you say to move around 27 things? As often as you feel like you need to. So I would say, you know, maybe once a month. But if you're someone who's just like feeling stuck once a week, it can just be a really beautiful practice to unstick that. Okay. I love it. Okay. So I'll ask you one more question. Um, if there is one piece of advice that you could give your younger self, what would you tell her? Oh, that she's like so capable of doing anything she would ever want. I think at a a younger age, I just felt like there were constraints of like what I could accomplish. And now going through what I've been through, it's like, absolutely not. Like you can do anything and everything. You just have to connect to yourself and get aligned and get focused and you know, understand your values, understand how you identify and just go out in the world and whatever it is you want to do, you can do it. Like you, anyone can do whatever they want. I love that. Thank you so much for being on Bethany and for sharing your story and so many tips and tricks. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.
there are so many big takeaways from this episode. Um, I think for me, I think the biggest takeaway has to be to listen to yourself, to listen to your body, to listen to your intuition and your gut when you feel like something is not right and to explore that. I think that's number one. It's just crazy to think the the life, you know, Bethany was living. She was working in the fashion industry actually uh, in New York City uh, when everything changed and how she's you know, lived a completely different life since then and really took priority of her health. And like she said, became an active, you know, participate participant in her own life. And so that was another big takeaway for me is like asking yourself, like, are you an active participant in your life? Because that one hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, wow, okay. Um, and so what I also want to share with you is that after the cameras stopped rolling or we stopped recording, um, I said to Bethany, I was like, well, if you're ever in New York, like you've got to come to SoulCycle. And she's like, wait, she didn't realize that I taught at SoulCycle. So the more, what she left out of the story was that the morning that she had to go get that scan, uh, and they call her doctor called her and told her that she needed to go get the scan immediately, the emergency scan. She actually went to Soul Cycle that morning and was on a, a Soul Cycle bike in New York City. So that's just insane and crazy that that was a part of the story. And then, you know, 10 months later, when she finally was able to fully return, um, she did a charity ride for, you know, uh, raising money for brain health, uh, which was at Soul Cycle in New York City. So that is interesting. And I told her that in the fall, uh, we definitely need to do another charity ride. So I'll let all of you, the, the squad, know uh, when that's going to happen so you can come and be a part of it. Um, but just incredible story all the way around. Um so from there, um, if you want to work with Bethany, you can. She has two programs that you can join at any time. One is called Coming Home and one is called Heal Your Home. So Coming Home is about um, tuning into your highest self. Uh, and Heal Your Home is about feng shui and energy cleansing in your home. So both of those are super intriguing. And you can go to uh, Bethany's Instagram. Instagram and check out all that she has to offer. So she is at Bethany A. Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S. So check her out. And uh, I just want to say thanks again for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being a part of the VB squad, the very best self squad. Um, if you guys have a moment, please follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown. Follow at very best self, the podcast handle. Uh, give us five stars and leave a review. And it is much, much, much appreciated. That is it, you guys. That is a wrap for today. Thanks for listening and I will catch you next week.